This is the 91st episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze. This past week, it was 22 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This one's an easy one. It was Thanksgiving week. Here's the headline. Fox News, the Israel hostage deal, a terrorist attack that wasn't, and Biden's towering inferno of a birthday cake. Happy birthday, yeah, don't Mr. Think so. President. Uh, today, Joe Biden turns 81. They're going to have a low-key celebration in Nantucket. The president's got a part in the turkey, and then he's going to go that way. 81 candles. It's Biden's birthday today. But voters <laughs> aren't celebrating as they raise concerns about his age. Not the kind of birthday he was hoping for. President Biden turning 81 years old today, and he just cannot catch a break from the avalanche of bad headlines surrounding his re-election campaign. Fire Marshal Jamal Bowman, Joe Biden almost burned down the White House. The big guy blowing out some big flames for his 81st birthday. Biden's staff posting this photo to social media, thinking there's nothing wrong with the sight of a man tightly gripping the sides of a table while a bonfire rages on top of his cake happens this holiday season. We celebrate uh, every year the 81st birthday of Joe Biden. Uh, he, we but really noted it yesterday. Yeah, every year it goes up one. Uh, and this is the time where Joe Biden's got a choice. He either could pretend he doesn't have a birthday or make fun of the fact that he's old. Now, that's what we were talking yesterday, and we, we were saying, we were talking with the producers, wouldn't it be funny to get a cake and put 81 candles on it to see what it looked like? And the producers said, you know what? That would be a fire hazard. Well, well as it turns out, the White House produced exactly what we were doing. And this has, you know, he's gotten so much blowback. Back about look at that forest fire in the middle of is that a uh, birthday cake, cake or is that the bonfire at my uh, high school homecoming? <laughs> uh, so the they posted this uh, on the Joe Biden Instagram account. Thanks for the birthday well wishes, everybody. So yes, you could hear it in the clips. Uh, Steve Ducey basically spelled it out there. Uh, Joe Biden had a birthday last week. He turned 81, and somebody at the White House thought it would be cheeky to take a fairly standard, you know, two-layer cake, little round cake, and cover it with 81 fairly skinny little candles and light them all at the same time. And yes, it was a little bit of a towering inferno, and it was meant as a joke. He went on Twitter and said he was 146 years old. Ha, 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 ha. And of course, Fox took this deadly seriously, like they were Carrie Lake, as if they were Carrie Lake. If you're new to the podcast, I go into voices sometimes, and I don't always see them coming. They just come out of me, and Carrie Lake from Carizona is one of those voices. She's very popular with regulars of the Decoding Fox News podcast. You know, she'll, she'll probably retire. She'll probably get a job on one, one American news network, or perhaps Newsmax. Or maybe she'll make her own Carrie Lake, I am the governor, um, broadcast system or something, her own network, that's what I'm saying, basically, and that she'll be forgotten, and I'll still be doing this impression, because I find her so funny, because she's a low voice, it's a low alto, she's ready to rumble, ready to fight, she is the governor of Carizona, and she does say Carizona, not a joke, that's a real, check the hashtag, Carizona, anyway, so Flaming Cakes and Dark Brandon, here is from Tuesday on The Five, Jessica Tarloff, the liberal, trying to explain, hey, haha, I'll be the decoder, as it were, of the Biden uh, campaign, the Biden people. Um, the cake picture. And I say this a lot. That picture is not really for you guys. It's for people that like Joe Biden. It's for Democrats people who are thinking about wishing him a happy birthday, not preparing to come out here and say this man isn't fit for office, et cetera. And the GOP routinely fails at winning the online game. It's something that we talk about all the time. So the GOP thinks they're really smart and funny with let's go Brandon, right? Which is F off Joe Biden and dark MAGA when he came out with the MAGA extremism. So what does Joe Biden and his team do? They create dark Brandon. 
who's been one of the most successful meme campaigns that there ever has been. Whoa, Sold millions whoa, whoa, of dollars. Successful? Wait, what's successful? Selling millions of dollars of merchandise and also <laughs> Wait, is that making more than the mugshot t-shirt sold like 50 million. Really? Have you ever have you seen someone walking around with a mugshot? Yeah, in Nashville, I saw like 10 t-shirts. All right, at the Patriot Awards, it was a huge hit. I'm saying Joe Biden, who wiped the floor with Donald Trump with younger voters. Not now. Is, what? Well, and here we go. Here's another at point. Time. If you look at, there's a new FT article out that I would recommend everyone looks at it, and it's an analysis of the different methodologies of the polls of online, of younger voters. Online polls... Younger voters are not leaving Joe Biden at all. Phone polls, they are. So how likely is it that a 25-year-old wants to sit on the phone and have a long conversation, nine minutes on the phone with a pollster versus someone who wants to do it on their but phone? Just compare that's all they do. other polls uh, yeah. from the same poll in the past. I he understand. That. I have Trump. never said that the trend in the general election is not going against Joe Biden. It was, I think the NBC poll, they've done it 16 times. This is the first time that Trump has been up, but it was by two points and within the margin of error. It matters to look at how these polls are taken. That's all that I'm saying. I think it's fair to say uh, that younger voters aren't gonna answer their phone. I was born in the 70s and I don't answer my phone. The only time I answer that phone is if it's somebody at my front door, my mother, uh, my sister or other friends who are my age or older because that's the only people who call. That's it. And it's it's all women. <laughs> well, there, no, I have one male friend. One one male friend who I will talk to on the phone sometimes who is older than me. That's it. <laughs> nobody else. Like We just don't – nobody uses the phone anymore because it's, it's a nightmare. And once we learned, oh, we don't have to do this, there's other ways to communicate. Yay. I don't trust it either. I don't trust anybody on my phone. Like I don't like my bank used to call me and I'd say stop it because I don't know that you're my bank. I have to call you back to make sure you're my bank. So stop doing that. Anyway, I'm rambling, but it's true. So I don't think I think I think Jessica Tarloff is correct, and I also think that they do not understand the marketing of Joe Biden. Um, does anybody get that excited about Joe Biden? My dad does. My dad loves him. My dad is 82 years old, high school educated. Retired auto mechanic, union man, used to work for the gas company. He repaired the fleet. People always go, how is he an auto mechanic at the gas company? Well, they have a fleet of trucks and cars. And my dad was part of a team that would fix those cars and trucks. So uh, my dad adores Joe Biden, adores him, uh, partly because Joe Biden marched on a picket line, which has never happened. And that was it. Sealed the deal. Like, I had a very short chat with my dad. I just like sharing this because this was very popular on Twitter when I shared this. I had a short conversation with my dad about Biden, about the whole thing in 2024. My dad just could not say a bad word about Biden. He's my dad also hates Trump with the same intensity of a thousand sons. So that, <laughs> that also plays into this. And speaking of which, we're moving on to... Uh, so the Biden campaign, it seemed a little cheeky to me. I didn't take this that seriously with like a, like uh, with a kind of a campaign for like how to deal with your MAGA crazy relatives. You know, when they say this, you can counter with this. When they say this, you can counter with this. Um, <laughs> and Fox again, of course, was, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. It's, this is very much a clutch your pearls moments. Ho, oh, oh. ho. Give me the smelling salts. I'm so deeply offended that this candidate for president would say something so coarse or, 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 or use the term crazies for MAGA. How dare he? How dare he? Now, of course, the Republican candidate, I mean, even Nikki Haley, who's like the mild one, was basically like, let's flatten Gaza. She actually said that during the debate. And I'm like, <laughs> All right. That's not hyperbolic language at all. Of course it is. So here is, this is from Friday from Fox and Friends. This is now on the holidays, just to warn you, if you're like, who the heck are these people? Uh, Fox News shuffles it up. All the big stars actually get a break and all like the Z-listers on Fox suddenly are hosting shows. Thanksgiving, it's not that bad. Christmas, it gets downright comical. And I actually, fair warning now, will be taking a bit of a break this year because last year I gave it the college try 
and I couldn't get any decent clips. So I was like watching double and it was just pointless because the shows are pre-taped. They're garbage. It's they have like Tyrus on like like the five. It's just it's just literally like, hey, do you work in the office? Hey, can you sit in on the five? Great, great. They didn't even have a liberal on the five. It just went to hell. It's it's just absolute nonsense. I will be doing a best of show, though. This year I'm prepared. I can handle it. Last year I couldn't handle it. This year I've already got stuff in mind. So we're going to do like a best of. I'll probably pre-tape it. Um, but anyway, so there's a lot of new voices you're going to hear. And on this particular episode of Fox and Friends, it was Carly Schmeichus, who is, um, she normally hosts the show before Fox and Friends called Fox and Friends First. And you're going to also hear Joey Johnny Jones, who's now trying to just go by Joey Jones. But no, I'm sorry. Your name is Joey Johnny Jones. You called yourself that for years. And that's what I'm calling you. So here they are reacting to this sort of MAGA Thanksgiving guide to deal with your MAGA crazy relatives. He says that, you know, they do say actions speak louder than words. He's talking about unity there. But then why did the Biden campaign then post on Twitter your handy guide to responding to <laughs> ah. crazy MAGA nonsense this Thanksgiving? And here are some of the highlights. I just want to read one of them. He says uh, Trump secured the border. That's what like a, a MAGA person would say. And the response is no, he didn't. All he did was separate families, put children in cages, and leave behind a broken immigration system for Joe Biden to clean up. Yeah, that's now, a total lie. Now he's reelected. He's promising to make it worse. Listen, th this is perfect though, because this is exactly what a 20-year-old home from college would say. They would probably pull it out of their pocket and read it verbatim. Right. You, we watch all of the shows on this channel that go out on the streets and talk to college kids. Campus reformers do a great job at it. You get past the first question, which is, you know, is, is Trump terrible? The next question is why? And they go, ah, yeah, I really don't want to talk about it because right. I really don't know. Oh, Joey Johnny Jones. If you asked me that question, you would get flames shooting from my mouth. Flames on the side of my face. On the side of my face, flames. I hated him. I hated him so much. Okay, I'm not going to give that reference. If you know it, give a shout out on Twitter or something. It'll be a new little game I play. <laughs> what is that reference from? Flames. I hated him. I hated him so much. Flames. Flames. On the... On the side of my face. Okay, so, yeah. Jo Joey Johnny Jones, I could give you an earful if you asked me why I, I hated Trump so much. I try not to give too much of my personal opinion on this podcast or in my newsletter, but I will not hold back on that man. After January 6th, I'm like, this man is a criminal. He needs to be stopped. I didn't like him before that. Didn't like him before that. that but that was just proof. Like, he doesn't care. He just wants to be a dictator. He wants to take over. He does not care about the will of the people. I just want to address something very quickly. There is a slight static in some of the clips. I'm not sure what that's caused from it. I think it had to do with the Wi-Fi that I was using in my sister's uh, home. Uh, from what I could research, I couldn't tell what was, was happening. It doesn't happen when I record most of my clips in my apartment in New York. Uh, occasionally I will have something wonky happen and I will get static or get some weird audio situation. This is a micro budget project. I was on the road basically over the holiday. Uh, so I'm going to try to figure out what was causing that and try to address it so it doesn't happen again. Cause it's, it's a little annoying, but I'm listening to everything with audio. So that's also like my brain's a little like super persnickety. I love saying that word to a small children because they have no idea what it means. <laughs> But they love it. You go, well, that's a little persnickety. It's kind of persnickety. And they just look at you funny and they're like, what are you saying? And you're like, it's persnickety. Okay. So I saw a bunch of little kids when I was home. Um, and that's why I'm thinking of it. Okay. So here we go. This is from Tuesday on Fox and Friends. Ansley Earnhardt discusses how Democrats are attempting to make President Biden more likable to voters. And this section is simply called Brian Kilmeade thinks Democrats have to convince people that Trump is evil. People close to Biden are reportedly saying they're pushing for him to replace his formal shoes 
for more comfortable ones so that he can walk better and it reduces the risk of falling. We've done that, right? Uh, he's walking shorter distances, they're suggesting at least, while he's right. on camera. And apparently Democratic strategists and some of his big donors are frustrated because they don't think his staff has done enough to calm the public's right. concerns about his age. They're pushing for more humor to start calling him again Grandpa Joe. Right, but the problem is it's this, some of this stuff isn't humorous. Uh, some of this stuff is just concerning. I was reading the story in the New York Times, this guy, John Judas, he's a political analyst, author of the book, Where Have All the Democrats Gone? He published this story. He says he, the problem with Biden, he's not a commanding or charming presence on a presidential uh, election stage. He says, I think a lot of voters, young people in particular, who are not at all put off by his positions and accomplishments, are put off by his utter failure as a regal persona. And I don't know how you can get that fixed. You cannot by bicycling. His best hope in that regard is the voters' perception of Trump as bad or even evil. Uh, which, by the way, who will wreck your family? Which is exactly what Democrats are trying to say. Too evil to elect. What? The man actually had zero problem with an angry mob potentially killing his vice president. He had no problem with this whatsoever. He was perfectly okay with, like, Mike Pence ending up dead because, you know... I mean, that's what the mob wanted. Trump is evil. I said it. Trump is evil. Trump is evil. Trump is evil. Trump is evil. I don't care. Go ahead. Say, oh, she's so partisan. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm going to not give you my opinion on the Israel-Hamas war. I will not give you my opinion on various Democrat politicians. Just not going to say it. You No, I'm just not going to do it. I really don't have strong opinions about the other. Well, I don't like Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy. I think he's a. I think he's on par with not as evil, but he's pretty awful, pretty horrible person. I'm not going to give my opinion on the other Republican candidates as much. That's not my gig. But Trump, no, evil, 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 evil. Hate him. Hate he buried his wife in a golf course. His ex-wife. In a, I am so thankful that my ex-husband has zero power over me right now because we didn't have children. He cannot bury me in a golf course. Okay. Just one of many horrible things. The family separation policy. Come on. Evil. Evil, evil, evil. Okay. <sighs> Getting too worked up. Now, before I get into the next one, this one's, next one's a little involved. Um, I should give a shout out to my sponsor. And my sponsor is... The people who listen to this podcast and the readers of my newsletter. What is the newsletter, you may ask? It's the written version of this podcast, complete with hyperlinks. So you can go to any of the sources that I might mention in this broadcast. And if you'd like to become a paid subscriber, you can go to my Substack for Decoding Fox News or Patreon for Decoding Fox News. And all paid supporters get exclusive content. Sometimes it's a video. Sometimes it's an article. Um, sometimes it's... A, some, something similar to this and uh, sometimes I do goofy audio stuff for paid subscribers so that's it and if you can't afford that that's great uh, the lowest subscription is $5 a month uh, just share the videos share the podcast share the newsletter all of that helps bring more people into the Decoding Fox News universe and if you are a paid subscriber thank you so much from the bottom of my heart now moving on we've got this is the story uh, so on Wednesday, when most of us were thinking about Thanksgiving or avoiding our family or enjoying our family, depending on your circumstance, uh, there was a car crash. So I'll just read what I wrote here. On Wednesday, a man drove his 2022 Bentley Flying Spur into a concrete partition at a border checkpoint in Niagara Falls, New York near the Rainbow Bridge. According to eyewitnesses at the scene, the car went airborne about 40 feet before slamming into a row of security booths at the Rainbow Bridge and burst into a fireball. At around 1.30 Eastern Standard Time, a Fox News correspondent, Alexis McAdams, reporting from the scene, claimed a high-ranking police official confirmed that the explosion was an attempted terrorist attack. She went on to say that the car was loaded with explosives and that a second car might have been involved. 
McAdams got several other details wrong. As soon as McAdams reported that the crash was a terrorist attack, Fox News dedicated nonstop commercial-free coverage to the incident. John Roberts, the co-host of America Reports, brought on a slew of experts to discuss the incident. Almost immediately, Roberts and his various guests concluded that the attack was most likely carried out by radical Islamic terrorists, probably even members of Hamas, as a reaction to the Israel-Hamas war. No one on Fox had a shred of evidence that linked the car explosion to any specific group. The story completely dominated the story with Martha McCallum and Your World with Neil Cavuto. I made a spreadsheet, and if you could see my spreadsheet, every single segment says car explosion, car explosion, car explosion. So it wasn't until the latter half of Your World with Neil Cavuto that David Spunt Another correspondent reporting for Fox from Washington, D.C., corrected the story. Later, Alex Mc... Alexis McAdams, the original correspondent, walked back her claim that the crash was part of a terrorist attack. And then at some point at the start of the 5, at 5 p.m., New York Governor Kathy Hochul issued an official statement that the accident was not the result of terrorism. Dana Perino confirmed the news and the crash became a minor story, approximately three and a half hours after it dominated everything on the network. So the clip I'm going to play you is from America Reports. And again, this is about an hour after the Fox correspondent, Alexis McAdams, made this call that it was a terrorism attack. When you take a look at all of the people who have designs against America, there's the remnants of ISIS. You know, Al-Qaeda is still out there. There's Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Uh, there is maybe some Hamas operatives or Hamas sympathizers. We have seen the uh, FBI director give congressional testimony uh, that we are at a higher level of threat since the heyday of ISIS. Is, the, is there any one specific group that immediately comes to mind if this were to be uh, a, either a, a person who represents a terror group or is sympathetic to a terror group? I would hesitate to pin this to any particular group. I mean, the obvious conclusion that it is that it goes to what's going on in Gaza. This feels to me, and I look, uh, you know, full disclosure, I did this work for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. My gut tells me here, lone wolf, um, it sounds like there are two perps in the car. And the other thing is this, you know, as of now, it looks like everybody's carrying it as a terrorist attack. And that does seem to be where it's developing, but we haven't even gotten that confirmed. So I just want to add that Morrow is one of the better guests that they have in that he is a little bit more reasonable um, than some of the guests they have on that say absolutely outrageous things. Morrow is not that guest. And even though he did say, well, this could have something to do with Hamas, he also said, we don't really know yet. We don't, we don't have enough information yet. I, every single guest they had on, with the exception of Vivek Ramaswamy, who happened to just be slated for an interview and so they they questioned him about this was fairly careful about what they said however <laughs> they all went made this immediate leap to this this has to be muslims this has to be some type of jihadist attack this has to be extremist with with no evidence there was no evidence whatsoever it was just a car blew up that's it that's all they had so this is a second this is from later on in the same hour on america reports between the same two guests so you know, uh, there, there's good indications here, Paul, that this vehicle did come across uh, the border from Canada. But when you look at the major cases of terrorism in this country that have happened, 9-11, uh, Boston Marathon bombing, the anthrax attacks, the Beltway snipers, the Atlanta Olympic Park bombing, the Oklahoma City bombing, the Unabomber, World Trade Center bombing, West Side Highway attack, uh, only three of those were foreign influence. The rest were all domestic. So, yes, I ended up watching and analyzing six hours of Fox News to try to get as much as I could out of the story, because when this actually happened in real time, I was in St. Louis, Aaron Rupar and um, Asin, two great accounts who also follow Fox News, caught this and were like scolding Fox, screaming at them, how dare you, you were calling this a terrorist attack for hours. And I didn't know what was going on. I didn't get any alerts on my phone about a terrorist attack. So the other networks did not 
report this as a terrorist attack or I very certainly would have gotten some type of alert on my phone. I didn't. I didn't know what was going on. I thought, you know what? When I get back to New York, I'll check that out. I had no idea it would end up, I'd end up watching six hours of Fox News, but I did. And then I slapped this together. The Twitter thread that I put up uh, yesterday, I slapped that together, at the, you know, uh, just going through this and cutting it up and doing my thing. Um, so I'm a little tired right now. Um, and again, might have another episode on that. I don't know, just depending on how my time goes this week, but that's what happened. What actually happened with this car accident, what we know so far, is the investigation is still ongoing, of course, uh, but it seems like they did identify the driver and the passenger. It was a husband and wife. The man is a wealthy man from that area. He owns a lumber business, or he owned a lumber business, um, more than one business. The car was valued at $300,000 if you bought it new, so this is not a... It's definitely not a terrorist attack. No one's going to blow up a $300,000 car for a terrorist attack when they lived in the area. Just that none of that made any sense. It's just a tragic accident. No one's sure why he was speeding and hit this uh, partition. He could have had a medical emergency, uh, could have been drinking. Who knows? I don't want to speculate. I feel bad for this couple. They were in their 50s. Horrible way to go out. Um, but that's what actually happened. So moving on, now this is just awful. And I wanted to include this because I think it's going to keep coming up. And if you have a Fox-loving relative, you're probably going to hear about this one. And so even though I hate this story with a passion, I felt that it was very important to include it. So this is just in time for Thanksgiving, a conspiracy theory about George Floyd. So this is from Monday and Jesse Waters thought he would start the holiday week off by promoting a film that offered an alternate explanation about the death of George Floyd, a black man who was killed by a white police officer in Minneapolis, Minnesota in 2020. Unconscious. America was consumed with anger and violence. Over two dozen people died. Fires were set, squad cars destroyed, businesses looted. Rioters caused nearly $2 billion in damage. Police departments across the country were defunded. The police, the people, demoralized. This triggered a national crime wave, a pressure campaign to force critical race theory into schools, and a corporate shakedown that resulted in a massive transfer of wealth. Okay, I want to know who writes this copy because I know it's not him. A couple lines there that absolutely cracked me up was the corporate shakedown that resulted in a massive transfer of wealth. Where's that wealth, Jesse Waters? I'd like some of that wealth. I would. That would be great. I got some debt I'd love to pay off. Got some student loans I need to pay off. Cha-ching. Although, thank you, Joe Biden. I want to just give a shout out very quickly to the save program that is the um income uh it's it's based on your income i don't i'm gonna say it wrong income driven plan this is a brand new thing from the biden administration it's amazing it took me five minutes to sign up for it greatly reduced my payment thank you joe biden if you have student loans please check out save all caps s-a-v-e amazing changing my life changing my life anyway so Anyway, so that one cracked me up. That line cracked me up. The other line that cracked me up was a pressure campaign to force critical race theory into schools. What are you talking about? Absolute nonsense. And also police departments really across the country weren't defunded. That's kind of a myth. So the reason why I did this little short segment is I wanted to inform you because if you have, again, MAGA relatives, Fox loving relatives, you're going to hear about this film called The Fall of Minneapolis. It was crowdfunded, produced by a veteran journalist named Liz Collin from Minneapolis. Uh, she used to work at Alpha News. She left that position after she published a book about George Floyd's murder. So Waters didn't reveal to his audience that Collin is married to Bob Kroll, a former Minneapolis police union chief. Kroll has been banned from policing in three counties for 10 years, following a lawsuit by the ACLU over his role in the treatment of demonstrators at protests after the murder of George Floyd. As part of the lawsuit, 
Kroll is also not allowed to serve on the Minnesota POST, that's called Peace Officer Standards and Training Board, or hold any leadership positions in three counties for 10 years. So kind of a conflict of interest there, wouldn't you think? If she's married to the president of the police union, the very police union that that was part of this whole situation with George Floyd, I would say that that's a conflict of interest. But he didn't, you know, reveal that. Um, but I've, somebody told me that on Twitter, looked it up, found all these links. And there's plenty of links in the newsletter for you if you want to look them up. So here's another one that Jesse Waters said that I didn't post this on Twitter. Cat over at Media Matters did. And I was like traveling and I was like, oh my God, that clip is just so this is part of a discussion about Susan Sarandon's, I'm going to be incredibly generous here and say tone-deaf comments about Jewish Americans. I, I, I can't see inside her head. I don't know what she was thinking. But she made a comment, I, I'm going to paraphrase, along the lines of, well, now Jews get a taste of what it's like to be a Muslim American. And I just thought, well, okay, madam... Uh, do you know anything about the history of the Jewish people? Because oppression, discrimination, hate has been sadly part of their history since uh, pretty much since the dawn of Christianity. And I'm not blaming Christians for anti-Semitism. It's, it's more complicated than that. When Christians first uh, formed their own religion that came from Judaism, they wanted to distance themselves from Judaism. So they said, you know, we're going to be our own thing. And at the time... Christians and Jews faced oppression because they were both these tiny, you know, minority religions that were different. They believed in one God, not many gods, and that caused problems. So they, they both faced oppression. But that rift started back when Christianity first started, and that kind of grew. And uh, anti-Semitism has been a problem pretty much from the second Jews stepped in Europe and, 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 and other parts of the world. It has, they've been singled out, marginalized, blamed for things, tortured, killed, you name it. It's just been an, a nightmare for the Jewish people. It goes way, 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 way further back than what happened in World War II. It's sadly something that's ingrained in Western culture. I wish it wasn't. It's terrible. So for her to make that flippant comment, I just thought, are you, what planet are you on? What I don't even like talking about celebrities and their stupid comments, but that was I was like, she's what? Ouch, just lady, you have no idea what you're talking about. Anyway, so this equally, equally stupid comment here by Jesse Waters, equally stupid comment. This is from the five. This is Tuesday. Again, during this discussion about Susan Sarandon. I guess there's a line now. Everybody knows where it is, but I don't see the comparison because after 9-11, you know, perhaps Muslim Americans were singled out at the airport. But other than that, I don't remember a lot of people chanting in the streets, gas the Muslims. I don't remember Muslims being murdered like the guy in a protest in Los Angeles. None of that actually happened. They wanted to put a mosque down by ground zero. That was the worst of it, from what I recall. Now, Jesse Waters is slightly younger than me. He should know better. I'm just going to refresh his memory. So according to Human Rights Watch, the FBI reported that the number of anti-Muslim hate crimes in the United States rose from 28, that's 28 total, in the year 2000 to 481 in the year 2001. A 17-fold increase. The violence included murder, physical assaults, arson, vandalism of places of worship and property damage, death threats, and public harassment. Members of the Sikh religion, who were mistaken as Muslims, were also subject to violent attacks, including murder. There's a few incidents. According to one Yale law professor's estimate, as many as 17 Sikhs, Muslims, Arabs, and South Asians were murdered in hate crimes inspired by the September 11th attacks. And that's just the murders. If you talk about what happened to people's businesses, uh, harassment at schools, kids getting beat up at school. All of this happened. How can you forget that? It wasn't just harassment at the airport. There was a wave of Islamophobia 
and hatred towards Muslims, violence towards Muslims that happened across the country. I don't know how anybody could forget that. The Sikh that was murdered at a gas station happened almost immediately after the 9-11 attacks. So I can't even. Okay, now we're going to move on to a topic that I haven't done in a long time. This is a category that I haven't done in a long time, and I'm gleefully bringing it back. And here's the voice. If you're a longtime listener of Decoding Fox News, you'll recognize it. Oh, you know, it's a bogus expert. What's a bogus expert, you ask? Well, that's something that's not real. It's phony. It's This is my uh, Midwestern accent, and this is the one I do when I do the bogus expert. Who's the winner of the bogus expert this week? Well, that would be Michael Schellenberger, a repeat winner. He's won this one multiple times when he trashes Media Matters. Okay, so on Monday, that's my, my goofy voice, if you're not aware, of my bogus expert. So on Monday, while a guest on Jesse Waters Primetime, Michael Schellenberger defended Elon Musk's decision to file a lawsuit against the nonprofit media watchdog, Media Matters for America. Me now. So how fraudulent was this boycott attempt by Media Matters? Hey, Jesse, good to be with you. I mean, it sounds shocking. It sounds like if you're on X, formerly known as Twitter, that you are being served up neo-Nazi content and that um, it's all being tied together with these big brands. Well, as you pointed out, this is they created fake accounts to follow neo-Nazis, and then they say that they got those ads served. Well, we did the same thing, as any journalist should have done as soon as they heard about this. We created fake accounts. We followed the exact same pro-Nazi accounts that Media Matters names, and we couldn't get any ads. We refreshed <laughs> constantly. We went into the actual content itself. We then went and followed thir three times more pro-Nazi accounts. Same thing. We couldn't get any ads served up to us. So first of all, we were not able to replicate Media Matters. We asked Media Matters to respond, to explain how they gamed the system, to be shown the ads after having already followed uh, pro-Nazi content. We didn't hear back from them. I think that tells you that what's going on here, uh, there's more, to, the, more than meets the eye, I would say. So what makes that clip so ridiculous is that in the clip, Schellenberger is admitting that there is Nazi content on Twitter, or we're going to call it X, whatever. So there's Nazi content on this platform, which I've seen it. I've seen tons of it. I have a fake right wing account. I won't say the name of it because I have it secret for a number of reasons, but I have a fake right wing account that follows a number of proud Nazis because I like to keep an eye on these people. And it says parody, so you can't you can't kick me off, Mr. Musk. Um, but I, yeah, I, I follow Nazis. I see ads. I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, and there's tons of horrible stuff on Twitter. So I could see why companies don't want to advertise on a platform that allows Nazi content. So Schellenberger is a repeat offender for the Decoding Fox News category bogus expert. He has a master's degree in anthropology and claims to be an expert on climate change despite having no formal training in climate science. He will also randomly show up on Fox News to discuss any number of topics he has no expertise in. I've caught Schellenberger make several glaring mistakes in the time I've worked on this project. So, he once claimed, here's two examples, that Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was one of the elected officials calling for the shutdown of the Indian Point nuclear power plant. The decision to shut down the power plant was made in 2017, two years before Ocasio-Cortez was sworn in as a congresswoman. Schellenberger also produced a segment from the wrong address for David DePap, the man convicted of assault and attempted kidnapping in connection with his break-in at Nancy Pelosi's home and the attack on her husband. Schellenberger went to DePap's ex-girlfriend's home and claimed that DePap lived in a bus. He tried to portray DePap as a left-wing radical based on interviews with random people and stickers applied to the vehicle at the address. DePap's former partner was incarcerated at the time. The New York Times later reported that DePap lived in a different city in a converted garage. The New York Times reporter spoke to DePap's landlord, he was not homeless, an employer who confirmed that he was obsessed with right-wing conspiracy theories. So a partial address for DePap was listed in the charging documents at the time of his arrest. Schellenberger chose to visit the address of DePap's former partner instead. So sorry, I'm not sure how you're a journalist if you're that sloppy. Now, a brief 
little tangent, this is pretty funny. I, when I flew home to St. Louis, I hadn't had any sleep because of my computer mishap. I had my computer broke. I had to go to the Apple store. It was a big nightmare and uh, took up like six hours of my day to rebuild the computer and all this. So I did not sleep. I just flew in like completely blazed, a sleep deprivation, like a crazy person. I'm a chatty Kathy anyway. That's why I'm probably a decent podcaster because I can talk about anything. I was also an MC, another skill that that comes in handy for. People are like, stretch. And I'm like, let's just talk about anything. Anyway, so I'm sitting to a young, next to a young man. Um, seemed like a nice uh, young fellow, significantly younger than me. And he mentions, um, we were talking about journalists and he mentioned his favorite journalist. And he said, well, I, you know, I subscribe to a Substack. He's the only one I read on Substack, Matt Tahibi. And I was like, <gasps> and the same young man had said how he hated Trump. And he, he seemed to be kind of on the left side of things. And I just went, Matt Tahibi, Matt Tahibi. And, it, you know, it hurt my soul. But I, I didn't say anything negative about Matt Tahibi. I was, I didn't want to be rude. I'm on a plane. I don't want to make this person's uh, situation uncomfortable. So instead, I ripped on my uh, Schellenberger because Schellenberger, Michael Schellenberger, has worked with Matt Tahibi, and this young man had no idea who Michael Schellenberger was, and I was so thankful for that. And I was like, yay, but oh my goodness, Matt Tahibi, really? Yes, vampire squid, I get it. And yes, you know, if you were going to pick one person that most journalists will just start to flames again, will shoot out of their mouth, Matt Tahibi is probably one of the worst people you could pick because we we will go off i mean anyway i don't want to waste time on matt tv so next up uh this is the most judge janine clip of all judge janine clips i've ever clipped judge janine Pirro talking about the blessed holiday of thanksgiving <laughs> you know, if people want to come to my house and they don't like America, I'm not cooking for you. You can leave. That's Fair. the end of it. I work too hard. Now, you know what? They say that we shouldn't be thankful for Thanksgiving because we're all colonizers and we should tell the truth of what we've done. Does anyone in this country not think that the Native Americans, that the, the Native Indian Americans were, weren't here first? We all know that. We all admit to it. They were here first. You can watch any cowboy movie. They were here first. Okay? <laughs> this segment is epic. <laughs> okay? And you know what? The unfair part of it is that a lot of them live on tribal lands, which are not as nice as they should be. I mean, no one has lied about that. So get over it. Judge Janine, ladies and gentlemen. Judge Janine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was, my jaw dropped, and I was like, why is my jaw dropped? I'm not shocked. Of course she said that. Of course she said that. I'm Judge Janine, and I'm going to say whatever the hell I want, as loud as I want. Give me some white Z. What is that? That's pink wine. Shut up. And I like my Oreo cookies. And my York peppermint patties. And my dogs. I have four dogs now. Did you know that? Four. Jesse Waters killed one of his dogs. At least he said he got rid of it. We don't really know what happened. Never clarified. <laughs> but I laughed about it. All true. So this is part of the podcast for stories Fox News ignored every week. I compared the hours of that I've watched on Fox News to five hours of the PBS NewsHour. The following list are stories that PBS included that Fox News did not. I just want to add very quickly that I watched 22 hours of Fox News last week. And yet, this list is still quite long. Updates in the war in Ukraine. The German defense minister vowed continued support for Ukraine in its war against Russia, pledging 1.3 million euros worth of military aid. He met with Zelensky at an uprising memorial in Kiev that marked the 10-year anniversary of the so-called Maden Revolution that toppled a pro-Russian leader. Russian forces claimed they shot down dozens of Ukrainian drones, while Ukraine's military said it stopped new assaults north of Donetsk. On to the rest of the news. A federal appeals court ruled that private entities cannot bring lawsuits under provision of the Voting Rights Act. The St. Louis panel upheld a lower court finding that only the U.S. Justice Department may sue under the landmark law. The case is expected to wind up before the Supreme Court. The Commission on Presidential Debates announced that Texas State University, Virginia State University, and the University of Utah will host three presidential debates for next fall's general election campaign. 
A mile-long stretch of Interstate 10 in Los Angeles reopened last week, ahead of schedule. It had been damaged by an arson fire fueled by material stored beneath the elevated freeway. PBS produced a segment about the many challenges patients face who do not speak English proficiently. The segment focused on solutions some providers are implementing to help provide the best care for people who have trouble communicating in the healthcare system. The world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, Binance, pleaded guilty in a sweeping U.S. securities investigation and agreed to pay $4.3 billion in fines. The charges were similar to those against FTX, the crypto company that collapsed last year. The founder of Binance, Chingpeng Zhou, pleaded guilty to failing to prevent money laundering. North Korea claimed it launched a spy satellite into orbit in violation of a U.N. ban. There was no independent confirmation. The U.S. and the Philippines began joint naval and air patrols in waters near Taiwan to counter China. Beijing has claimed much of the South China Sea inside the so-called Nine Dash Line. The Philippines and other countries in the area dispute China's boundaries. The White House warned there are signs that Iran may have provided ballistic missiles to Russia. According to the UN Human Rights Office, more than 10,000 civilians have died and more than 18,500 have been injured in Ukraine after nearly two years of war. Sales of existing homes in October were the slowest in 13 years due to high interest rates and home prices. PBS produced a segment about a program in Thailand that offers alternative sources of income to help reunite families. Parents of small children often seek work in urban areas while their children are raised by grandparents or other relatives in the countryside. North Korea fired a ballistic missile into the sea, but South Korea said that the test was a failure. It was hours after Seoul said it would resume front-line aerial surveillance in response to the North's spy satellite launch. PBS produced a segment about the growing debate surrounding graphic images of the victims of mass shootings. Proponents of publishing the images argue that the public would demand more gun control if they saw the type of violence the high-powered firearms caused. Columbia University has apologized to thousands of women for not doing enough to stop the abuses of an OBGYN doctor who sexually abused women for over two decades. Patients repeatedly warned the University Medical Center about his behavior, but their complaints were not taken seriously. He has since been convicted and has been sentenced to 20 years in prison. The segment on PBS featured a podcast, Exposed, about the scandal. New York City Mayor Eric Adams denied an accusation that he sexually assaulted a woman in 1993 when he worked for the police department. The woman filed a civil summons in state court and is seeking $5 million in damages. Police raids in Germany targeted members and supporters of Hamas in Berlin and other parts of the country. Germany bans public statements supporting Hamas. Protests in Nepal marched in support of a restoration of the monarchy and the nation's former status as a Hindu state. The monarchy was abolished in 2008 after citizens forced an end to the king's authoritarian rule. PBS produced a segment about plastic recycling in Thailand. Southeast Asia has been inundated with plastic scrap after China blocked all but the cleanest plastic waste imports in 2018. PBS produced a segment about Aaron Mastin, 23, the youngest coach in the NCAA. Mastin is the rookie head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels field hockey team. 1,000 Amazon workers in the UK walked off the job on Black Friday, one of the busiest shopping days of the year. Workers across Europe joined the movement in an attempt to unionize. PBS produced a segment about the volunteer group uses drones to help find missing dogs. In Washington state, more than 400 Macy's employees walked off the job at selected stores over safety concerns and pay demands. They're expected to return to work before Monday. Research at Boston University showed CTE, a type of brain damage caused by blows to the head, was more prevalent in children athletes than previously thought. PBS produced a segment about the aftermath of the mass shooting in Lewiston, Maine. Charles Peters, the founding editor of the Washington Monthly, died at home in Washington at the age of 96. He was best known for his book, Tilting at Windmills, and was often called 
the godfather of neoliberalism. All of those stories were included on PBS and not on Fox News, which gives you, uh, again, 22 hours versus five hours, and I had that many stories. That's crazy. So next up by the numbers, I compare Fox News to PBS. The top five topics for the week uh, ending November 26th was car explosion at Rainbow Bridge, 20%. This is Fox again. Israel-Hamas war hostage deal, 17%. Biden bashing, 9%. Patriot Awards, that was a two-hour program on Thursday night. It was pretty boring, so I didn't have any clips from it. And then viewer mail. The five just had all viewer mail on one of the days during the holiday because that's what they do. So for PBS, the top five stories were uh, Israel-Hamas war, 29% of airtime. Uh, Rosalind Carter Memorial, 4%. Gun violence, debate over violent images, 3%. Healthcare challenges for non-English speakers, 3%. And then the Columbia University OBGYN sexual predator scandal, 3%. Um, words used on Fox. Also, we just want to add very quickly, Fox dedica uh, PBS dedicated exactly one and a half minutes to the car explosion at Rainbow Bridge, whereas Fox dedicated like hours. So words used on Fox... Uh, Last week, Israel, 426, that went way up. Hostage, 329. Biden, 276. Terror, soon to 265. Border, 228. Thanksgiving, 220. Trump, 160. Gaza, 137. Travel, 100. Crime, 60. Patriot, 47. Islam or Muslim, 39. Rainbow Bridge, 37. Jihad, 15, inflation, 12, and AOC, as always, made the list at four. That's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to become a paid subscriber to help support this community-based media project on a micro budget, you can go to Decoding Fox News at my Substack or my Patreon. There's also a little dollar uh, sign next to my name on Twitter. You can donate that way as well. And again, if you became a paid supporter, you get exclusive content i'm starting to lose my voice <laughs> my cats the podcast mascots odin and thor send their love and i will see you at the next podcast which might be later this week we've got some stuff coming up thanks so much